Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Kuf Tes. I'm going to go from the fourth last line of Kuf Ches Amud Beis 108b. Today's shoes were Ilun Ishras Ben Sio Ben Zav Zev Avram Alevi and Dennis's mother. Um, what, sorry, Miriam Bas. Miriam Bas. Bas Chaim. Dennis, may you have a long laugh, and may their memory be a blessing, and may their neshamas have an aliyah. And just one point before we go further, um, just yesterday I was asked about using grape juice and diluting it with wine. Um, so really it seems, especially on Pesach night, first, as, as opposed to we strict on Pesach night, but that part of the takona seems to be the alcohol fact in wine, and even that uh, slight hint of sharpness that you find. So as much as possible, you should have wine. Again, I say this with... Huge reservations because we know there are people, um, um, people who struggle with alcohol and things like that. So obviously, take it where it comes from and discuss it with your specific poisek if there are any concerns. But first prize is wine, real wine, with alcohol. And then bring that if you can't handle that. And the Gomorrah we'll see brings a suya or I don't remember if it's here or elsewhere, but I think it's coming up of Rabbi Yehuda used to suffer basically a headache the whole year because he went so far to have wine on uh, Pesach night, even though it was so uh, detrimental to him. So we see you do have to go far to have wine. However, where it's going to be very difficult and it's brought you can dilute it so you can dilute it in grape juice one of the sources is microekoidesh that's uh, Rafsit as a frank but amongst others you can dilute it with grape juice obviously first prize is to dilute it only a little bit but uh, again once you're diluting it I guess that's already second prize but then try dilute it as little as possible that you can get through the Seder again you don't want to pass out or that you can't actually get through the Seder and uh, but at least try have a little bit of wine in your grape juice if you're not uh, if you can't handle wine um, and then yeah but there is the concept that is brought in aloha that you can dilute your wine in grape juice Rav, excuse me how much is a quarter so so we'll discuss that in today's stuff uh, okay, okay. Um, and then yeah, so therefore, yeah, so the Seder would be one, the, the Seder, the order of pref, preferability would be one, one with grape juice added, or then one with water added. Obviously, the better the, the better, the, the, the more wine in your dilution, the better. But again, we take into account the person who needs to dilute it, otherwise they'll fall asleep or be too sick or something like that. And then fourth prize would be grape juice, fifth Grape, diluted grape juice and then there's other things like Khamar Medina and things like that but that's theoretically quite far down the list um, you know, that, that, that would be the very basic and then red wine as we haven't mentioned that there's an, uh, there's an aspect to have red wine so that would be again keep in mind you only have to have a review so rather have and you only have to have a review and you only have to have a majority of the cup remember we saw yesterday ideally you should have a majority of however much wine is in the cup and if not that, at least a rov of a revise, a majority of a revise, but you really should on Pesach not try the majority of the cup. So obviously it's best to drink the whole cup. But next best would be to take the smallest cup that holds just a revise and use that so that you have to actually drink less rather than taking a big cup 
that you can't finish what's in the glass or you can't manage to have that much wine. So obviously do as much as you can to tilt it in your favor that you can have wine. And then obviously, as we said, diluted with grape juice, um, a stronger, the, the more wine in that dilution, the better. But again, um, and then third prize would be grape juice. Okay, um, I think, uh, Mervyn, I think that's an overview of the halachas regarding this. Um, as I said, there's, obviously we've got to go into the poskim. What's the problem with grape juice? And there are even those who go so far to say it's got to be as similar as possible. There, there seems to be an ideal. It's discussed by Kiddush as well. But again, we're stricter by the four cups of wine because there's an as- aspect of chayrus, freedom. And with that, it seems Chazal instituted specifically with alcoholic wine, interestingly enough. Um, although you do fulfill the mitzvah of the arbakoisis with grape juice as we've said um, and then sorry what was it bringing out you know, so you have to go into the poskim exactly what about other requirements that we find uh, by the by yai nesef it can't be mavushal so should you rather try to get yai and that's not mavushal for the seder etc how far do we go in those comparisons and similarity is discussed in the poskim okay let's go into aldaf and um, as I said Fourth last line of Kufches Amud Beis 108b. The Gemara says, "Ton Rabbanon Akol Chayovim Ba'arba Koises Halalu Echod Anoshim VeEchod Noshim VeEchod Tinoikos." Everyone's obligated in their four cups of wine, men, women, and children. What is the point? How does it help for a child to have wine? We'll discuss that shortly. Elam Kalchin Lohem. Rather you distribute uh, nuts and uh, roasted wheat, I, I would translate as treats to the children at Erev Pesach so that they don't go to sleep, and they ask questions. Um, just back to this that we said, children are obligated to, in the midst of, of having wine, and Rabbi Yudah comes along and says, no, what's the point of giving children wine? Rather give them treats. So there's a very obvious question we've got to ask on this. So obviously to drink the four cups of wine is a mitzvah derabonim. So it is an obligation. So are we speaking about a child that is over the age of chinuch? I let's say he's seven or eight is obligated in fulfilling these sort of mitzvahs. Then why would Rabbi Yehuda say he's exempt? He's got to do the mitzvah. And if you say that he's under the age of chinuch, well then... Um, well then why would the Rabbonin say that he's obligated in that one? So the, the Rashbam here learns that we're speaking about a very young child, a child under the age of Chinos, who's not yet obligated to be taught to do mitzvahs. However, since he was also redeemed from Egypt, he also has to partake in this mitzvah. And Rebuda comes along and he basically says, what's the point of giving a child under the age of Chinos one? What do you gain? Um, I think it's, uh, it's interesting because how are we explaining? We're speaking about a four-year-old child. Four-year-old child has a mitzvah of the four cups of wine according to the Rabbonin. But really, it's quite a strong question. But he's never five in mitzvahs. He doesn't fall into the category of mitzvahs. But all of a sudden we say, since he was also redeemed from Egypt, we're now going to put him in the category of mitzvahs. It doesn't, it's, it's a difficult way of understanding the sugya, but that is how the Rashwam amongst other Rishonim learn it. Um, yeah. Um, another approach is that we are actually I'm trying to see my source who was it 
the run. Yeah, sorry. Um, I checked the, the run in the back of the Gomorrah. He says, no, he says, we must be discussing a child who's reached the age of Chinuch. And that's why the Rabbonin say he's obligated in this mitzvah. We're not going into whether the alcohol is bad for them or if it's legal or illegal, etc. That's a separate discussion to be had. But Rabbonin holds it's chayev in mitzvahs. He's uh, 10 years old. He's obligated in uh, being taught to do mitzvahs. So you would have to give him one. Um, Reb Yudah comes along and says, what's the point in one? What do you mean, what's the point? It's a mitzvah the Rabbonin to have four cups of wines. And he's reached the age of chinuch. You should have to give him. So the answer given... I thought it's a, it's a fascinating answer, which in my mind creates a, also a big problem. But he says that, no, because Chazal instituted one Derech as a way of freedom, as a way of showing that you are freed from Egypt. Children who have no interest and no enjoyment in one, it's not Derech So it's, it turns out it's not actually Chinuch. Again, Chinuch would be to teach them to drink wine, derecheros, to do something derecheros. But for a child to drink wine which he doesn't enjoy at all, well, that's not derecheros. So therefore, you're not teaching him to do the mitzvah. And that's why a child, even who's reached the age of chinuch, would not have to drink the four cups of wine. Um, in my mind, while you're running into trouble with that answer, is you get many adults who do not enjoy wine at all. At least they... I guess we could say at least they claim to not enjoy wine at all. So what, all of a sudden, are they good? we definitely don't say they exempt from the mitzvah drabbotin. So that's uh, something to think about in, in light of that answer. Okay, then it carries on. So we mentioned, so give them treats so that they are all, so that they don't go to sleep and uh, um So that they don't go to sleep and they asked. The simple explanation is at the Seder, not necessarily on Erev Pesach, but maybe even on Erev Pesach, start egging them on so that they are excited and interested and curious what's going on at the Seder. Rabbi Akiva says that they used to distribute nuts and treats to the uh, roasted wheat and nuts, I treats to the children on Erev Pesach so that they would ask these questions, so that they would not go to sleep and they would ask these questions. Rabbi Lezer says, you snatch the matzah on the night of Pesach so that the children don't go to sleep. Or some add, so that they ask questions. So there are various opinions. What does it mean you grab the matzah? So the Rashbam says, um, Especially he had the gears on Erev Pesach, not on Lel Pesach. So it says you grab, he says don't let the children eat too much. Because when they eat too much, then they're going to be ready to go to sleep. So only give them a little bit to eat. Grab the matzah, grab the food away from them so that they only eat a little bit so that they're up for the Seder. And the second opinion is um, from Rashi. He says you remove the Seder plate. And this we have at certain times during the story. We remove the Seder plate. We put it on the table. We take it away. We uncover the matzah to keep the children curious and engaged. Um, that's a second answer. A third answer, the Rambam. Well, let's go to the fourth answer. The, the, just in my notes, I wrote it in the fourth answer. But Rashi, um, another option, that, another answer that Rashi gives is to hurry up. To hurry home and eat your Seder immediately. I hoit them, we snatch it to do this mitzvah. 
And he says this makes quote because we're now going to see Rabbi Akiva that says you um, about going home. But just on that, the Mishabur explains. It says, you start to eat immediately. It's all those points so that the children are up. If you wait an hour into Yom Tov Nat and then you start the Seder, the children are going to be fast asleep or they're going to miss most of it. So you want to start it immediately so that the children don't go to sleep. And the Mishnah Brewer explains, says, um, doesn't mean literally to start eating early because remember there's the whole of Maggit. So he says it means get the Seder going quickly because then the children will get interested, engaged and uh, start to ask questions, etc. Um, as opposed to if you take a long time to start, they're going to lose interest before you've even started. So that's what he says. Hurry to eat. doesn't mean literally eat because eating's in a long time. You've got the whole story. Um, but it thinks. And then there's a fascinating... The Sharat Sion brings a very interesting discussion here. Um... Um, he says, definitely it doesn't mean to shorten the Haggadah, because that's the Ikar. So it can't mean like, say, a half an hour Haggadah, or leave out half the Haggadah, just so you can get to eating, so that the kids don't, so that the kids are up. It means, get going, so that the kids are engaged and interested. And then he brings from the Rashbats, um, very interesting, he says, he says, no, give the children a little bit to eat. I hurry to eat doesn't mean hurry to get through the Seder. It says, while the Seder started or whatever, give the children some food to eat. So that's what it means, Mahari Lefel, um, etc. So we have a, you have a good source that your children or grandchildren are getting edgy and hungry and the Seder is dragging on. It says, firstly, first point, the Mishaburu benches, start immediately so that you get them engaged as opposed to waiting a long time to start the Seder. And then a second point is also give them food so that they can get through it, um, so that they can get through it. And then the fourth answer the Rambam says is no. There's a minag. I've never seen this. Must be maybe it's a Mosfari minag. But he says the minag to grab the matzah from each other. Act a little bit like children. Because then the children will really get involved, really get engaged and, and start being curious about the night when the parents start playing games and grabbing matzah from each other, etc. This many Afronim bring is the source for the Afikomen. You break the matzah and you hide it away. You snatch the matzah again to start playing with the children so that they're interested and happy to stay up and once they once their curiosity is picked then they'll start to ask questions and get involved Tanya we learned in the Braisa Amru Olav Al Rebbe Akiva Mi Yomav Loi Amar Higia Eis Lilmoid Lamod Beveza Midrash she never ever said okay it's time to go home in the base Midrash Chutz Mi Arve Psofim Arve Yom Kippurim except for Erev Pesach and Erev Yom Kippur Arve Psofim Bishvilti Kidnoikos Kedai Shelo Yeshanu um, on Erev, Pesach, so that the children don't go to sleep. I mean, interestingly enough here, what does it mean so that, so why do you have to stop learning so that the children can sleep, Rashbam says, so that the fathers can go home and put them to sleep, and therefore they'll be up on Motzei, on uh, Pesach night. So the Tosos ask on the Rashbam, he says, what do you mean? Why do the fathers have to stop learning and go home so that the children, to put the children to sleep? There'll be someone at home to put them to sleep. So I was thinking, well, I don't know, if you look at, if you look at the homes on, on Erev Pesach, the mothers are way too busy to put the children to sleep. So that's why the fathers have to go home from base Medrash to uh, put them to sleep. But Tosfos bring a very interesting second answer, another possibility. So he's not happy with the Rashman because he says there'll be someone at home to put the children to sleep. Why does the father have to go home to do that? 
So he says, therefore, Tosa is one who says, it's not discussing on Erev Pesach, it's discussing on the night of Pesach. He says they used to have a minak that they would learn. On, on, on Yom Tov night, they would sit and learn. So Rabbi Akiva used to tell them on, night, on Seder night, go home. Go home so you can start the Seder so that the children don't fall asleep by the time you get home from uh, your learning session on the Seder night. Um, and he brings a Gemara that proves that they used to learn on Yom Tov nights. I'm not sure how it would take off, but maybe uh, you can look into starting a learning program after davening on uh, Yom Tov night. Um, that uh, that uh, Tulsa Spring was the old Minag in, uh, I guess, the time of the Gemara. And then Erev Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, so that they can go home and feed their children. I guess also themselves. Remember, it's a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. Okay, once we've started discussing uh, these, we're going to carry on other halachas of Simchus Yontav. A person is obligated to cause his family and his household to have Simcha on the festival. Shenemar, as it says, You will rejoice on your festival. And the Apostle carries on. Etc. So the mitzvah is to give everyone around you also to make them Mesamech Yom Tov. So it says, What do you how do you celebrate? Make everyone glad. Not just with one. He says, Men, what's relevant to them? And women, what's relevant to them? What gives joy to men? That's one. Oh, so what's for women? clothes. In Babel, you buy them a colored garment. In Eretz Yisrael, you buy them a linen. Again, whatever was Nazi Yomtev, there's a mitzvah to bring joy to your wife, and and therefore, and, and therefore you buy her nice clothes on Yomtev. Carrying on with this, Tanya Rabbi Yudah ben Beseira, Omer Rabbi Yudah ben Beseira says, Bismanche Beis Hamikdash Kayim. At the time when the Beis Hamikdash was standing, Ein Simcha Ela Bebasor. There was no joy except with meat. Why? Shenema Vezochta Shlomim Vachalto Shom Vesomachta Lifnei Hashem Elokecho. You will offer up your Shlomim sacrifices and you'll eat them and you'll have joy before Hashem. Aye, so in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, the mitzvah was with the meat of a sacrifice. Nowadays that the Beis HaMikdash does not stand, the only Simcha is with wine. As the Pesach says, wine gladdens the heart of man. Um, so, that's the, so that's what he says. Um, seems, if you look at Tosvos, so he says, um, when we said, so what, what do you, how do you celebrate Bayayin with wine? It says, That's nowadays because the mitzvah is with, um, with wine, but in the times of the Beis Hamidash, the mitzvah was with. Um, the, in the times of the Beis Hamidash, the mitzvah was with. Sorry, I slipped my mind. The mitzvah was with the Boso Shlomim, with the Korban. Eating the meat of a korban. Um, now, however, the Rambam is very difficult, and the Beis Yosef awesome. This Rambam comes along and he says, says, so he's speaking about Simchas Yom Tov, and he says that you must give the men to eat and drink meat and wine. He says, what do you mean, give the men meat and wine? As far as we've seen in Al Gemara, the mitzvah is with wine. So there are a few answers. The Bach just, I'm just going to give one 
answer from the Bach, he says that no. There's two aspects to eating meat. There's the simcha of the shlomim, which is by the posok, and therefore in the time of the Beis Amidash, that's the ikar, that's the primary way to celebrate the, and rejoice on the festival and bring simcha in the festival, is to have shlomim meat, sacrificial meat. But there is the enjoyment of eating meat in general. And when there's no Beis Amidash, the ikar, the primary way of enjoying Yom Tov, is through wine, because there's a possible supporting wine, the Yain Yismach Levav Enosh. But there's no real source to have meat um, when there's no Beis Amidash. But again, it is a and it is a joyous factor, and that interestingly brings us to another point to discuss. It seems that on Yom Tov, if you learn like the Rambam, that oh, meat also is enjoyable to eat. So then the mitzvah of Simra's Yom Tov is not a narrow definition of specifically with meat or specifically with wine. It would be broader what brings you enjoyment. And meat, especially by most people, it brings them a lot of enjoyment when they eat meat. So then the mitzvah, again, a secondary aspect of the mitzvah of Simra's Yom Tov would be to eat meat. Again, it's not the primary mitzvah because that's with wine, because there's a posse that tells us about wine, bringing joy, but not with meat. Um, just another interesting question to go into is... Uh, not going to go into it now, but is there a mitzvah to have... Is, is it a mitzvah d'oraisa or d'rabonin? seems it's definitely a mitzvah to have a mitzvah to have boss or shlomim the meat of a shlomim and maybe that simchas yom tov would be doraisa that's what it means you rejoice on your festival but it means rejoice with the chagiga with the korban so that's doraisa but nowadays that we don't have that korban is it a mitzvah doraisa so interesting enough Tosso seems to learn it's not doraisa however the shagas aria it's a long uh, involved shagas aria but he says that there is a mitzvah, the Rambam learns that there's a mitzvah to Raisa. Again, whatever adds simcha to Yom Tov. Um, once we, on this note, I think it's important to mention what the Rambam brings. He says, but part of the Ikar simcha of Yom Tov is not just to have a party. Let's use the word party in a more condescending uh, tone as just to eat meat and drink wine and be happy. He says, an ikar part of the su'uda, as we read in the posuk, is, atoivin, um, what's it, v'samachta and it carries on to say, including the ger, the yosom, the almona. An ikar part of simchas yomtov and enjoying yomtov is bringing joy and simcha to the down, to people who are feeling down. And that's, uh, it's not just about having a party just with your family and your best friends. It's also about bringing joy. I think in this era, it's very hard to, uh, we don't, most of us are not having visitors and things like that. But I guess do what you can to maybe uh, give a little bit of exit to docker to the charities that are distributing. Find ways to, find ways to bring simcha to people who are down. Because as the Rambam says, that's part of the ikar simcha. And it makes you sim, and that's comparable to the shrina, Hashem's, uh, Hashem's presence. Okay, next point. Now we go on to the discussion regarding a revius. Omri Bietzka Kastu de Murisa, the Havi Bitsipuri, he have a Kamin Luga de Mikdosha. Says this this measurement that they used to use de Murisa for some sort of fish dish that you find in Sipuri, that, that measurement is the same as a log in the base Amigdash. 
And with that, you can measure the reviews of Pesach. Ah, you want to know how much wine to have? How much is the reviews? Remember, we said the minimum amount the glass has to hold that you have to put in the glass is reviews. Ah, that's this custard so that you find in Sepoiri. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Tamnaisa Kadmaisa Dahave Bitaveria. He says it's this early Tamnaisa that they had in Tiveria. Hava Yaseira Aldoravia was a revere is more than the current um, Tamnaisa. I again, a certain measuring cup or whatever. The earlier one was the reviews more than the, than the, the current one. Uvomashan reviews shall Pesach, and therefore you can use it to measure the reviews of Pesach. You pour from this one, the, cur- the old one, into the current one, and what the amount left in the old one is the reviews. What's the volume of, of reviews? The Gomorrah didn't have decimals, so it uses only fractions. So it's two fingers, I had two thumbs, by two thumbs, with the heart of two thumbs, half a thumb and a fifth of a thumb. I, which works out to be 2.7. So again, what if you had a cube, Two fingers by two fingers with a heart of 2.7 fingers, that is a, that contains a revius. Kedatanya, as we learnt in a brisa, we're now going to bring the source for that. Verochat b'mayim is called besoro. You will wash all your flesh in water. This is regarding going into a mikveh. Says shaloyahe dovor choitzes bein besoro lemayim. You're not allowed to have anything separating between your flesh and the water. Because it doesn't say you must go into the mikvah. It emphasizes your flesh must be washed with water. So all your flesh must be in contact with the water. No chatzitzes. Bemayim in water. Bemayim mikvah. That's a reference to the mikvah water. It has to be a kosher mikvah. Vekama. Sorry, sorry, it has to be enough water that your whole body can be covered in it. How much is that? So he says, It's a, if you have a, the amount of water that can fit in an Amaban Amma, remember an Amma is from your elbow to your, or from the inside of your elbow to the tip of your longest finger, an Amma, by an Amma, with a heart of three Amos. V'shiru chachomim shiur mei mikvah arbim seyah and chachomim calculated that that is 40 seyah. So, the first point is that the first point is that uh, basically Tosfos and the Rashram explain uh, uh, an average person is about an Amma from shoulder to shoulder and that's why you need this cube to hold an amma by an amma and three ammas high now the obvious question is three ammas is about 150 centimeters again in, in the standard measurements it's about 150 centimeters who's 150 centimeters tall they must go above their head you're going to need much more you're going to need almost four ammas or three and a half ammas so tosses on he says no there's displacement remember when he gets into the water all the water gets pushed up so if there's one by one by three amos high water, 
when he goes into the water, the displacement will push it up above his head, so he'll be completely in the water. And that is Fotisaya. Now, there's a long, lots of calculations, but basically, they do the, uh, the Rashbam, the Rach, all the Rishonim go in to do the calculation. If you, if you shrink down from saying that uh, one amma by one amma, I three ammas cubed, holds 40 saya, and we know how many, um, and you shrink that down into two by two by 2.7 fingers, you will end up that will be um, a reverse of a log, a quarter of a log. So that's the, uh, um, I'm not going to go through the actual mathematics now, but that's the, that's the calculation. It's the game. It, it, it would be similar if I told you a, a bath holds, a, a bath holds, I don't know what, a 50 liters of water, and you know how the volume of the bath, you can then work out how much this uh, 500, this this certain container of a small of a smaller size can hold. Okay, I don't know if that last line makes sense, but you can work mathematically. You work from the three by three, the three up, three ammas cubed can hold 40 saya. So if you shrink that down, how much can two fingers by two fingers by 2.7 fingers hold? And that is a revius. Now. The standard way of calculating that is you come out that basically a revius is 86 mils. For years and years and years, that's what everyone said. It's 86 mils. So Dennis, you asked me at the beginning, how much is a revius? 86 mils. So you want to look for, I guess for the Seder night, you if you're someone who struggles to drink wine, you want to look for a cup that holds 86 mils of wine. So I don't think the cup can be exactly 86 mils because then you're going to struggle to fit 86 mils in it. But it must be a drop bigger than 86 mils and that is sufficient for your cup of wine. Um, however, there's a complication in this. This is the one calculation. It's this one that 40, um, that basically the if you take two fingers by two fingers by 2.7 fingers, that container of that size can hold the revise. There's another calculation elsewhere based in the, the Rashbam and, the, and uh, here and in Baba Basra and other people bring it that basically says a revius holds a beitzer umerza, an egg and a half. Now the Nodab Yehuda came along and he said, I've, I've done these calculations and they do not line up. If you take, um, if you take a container that holds two fingers by two fingers by 2.7 fingers, Verse an egg and a half, it's almost double the size. I think it was, sorry, was it a Bates and a, a Bates or Merzer was a Revius? Um, so let me just check one second. I've got it here. Revius contains uh, the volume of an egg and a half, which is basically double the, just about double the size of our eggs. 
So the Lord of Yehuda says, I've measured, I've, I've, he says, I think he says, if I remember correctly, I've used a few people's finger sizes, I've used lots of eggs, and it always comes out to be about double the size of a beitza umerza. So what he says, it must be that the eggs shrunk. That over time, from the time of the Talmud, till now the eggs have shrunk. And therefore our revius, therefore when we say a revius now, we actually have to double that amount. And therefore, according to that opinion, which is often referred to as the Chazon Ish, because amongst others, the Nord of Yehuda, the Chazon, the Chazon Ish, I think the Gro, they all pushed this shear. They said it makes most sense. And therefore, they said you actually have to have 150 mils. The Mishnah Brewer comes out that for Doraisa mitzvahs, you should use 150 mils. A revius according to the Nord of Yehuda, the Chazon Ish, etc., but according for Durabonin, you can go lenient and use um, and use 86 mils. We're lenient and we basically always only use the 86 mils. I don't know many people who are particular to make sure to use a cup of 150 mils. I'm sure, I'm sure there are, but I don't know. Um, but I think we're generally lenient and always go with the smaller shear. That's, again, 86 mils. Rav Moshe Feinstein has another slightly different measurement, but those are the two main ones quoted. Is uh, Let me just see if I have. Yeah, Rav Moshe. They're those who say, so the 86 would be the standard. Rav Moshe would say 130.7 mils, and the Chazanish would say about 150 or 157 mils. I don't remember exactly. Um, interestingly enough, Pline Halacha, this contemporary halachic work, quite amazing. He says they've recently found... Um, with archaeological evidence or something they found a coin of the Rambam and therefore what we always thought when the Rambam referenced a certain coin and therefore we came out with 86 mils is actually only now it slipped my mind I don't remember if you said 71 mils or 75 mils somewhere around there so if you really struggle if you really as I said it's, it's hard for me to follow that because growing up I always heard um 86 mils, but it makes a lot of sense what the Pliny Aloha says, while the measurement is really 70-something mils. So if you really struggle with drinking wine, or it's really expensive, and you can't afford to have as much wine as you'd like, then I would um, just remind me, I can look up and I can get you that measurement. It's, it's, it's closer to 70 mils than 86 mils, which, in a, which can add up and make a big difference when you're having four cups of wine. Um, so that's the shear of a revius. Yeah, so in summary, just for short, is Altamora says that you calculate a revius, it's two fingers by two fingers by 2.7 fingers with a heart of that sort of container. Another, go- elsewhere we learn that it's a bait or mecht, so the difficulty is, according to the Nod of Yehud, is that measurements don't seem to m- make sense. So we actually come out the, all, amongst the major poskim that there are actually four opinions of what a revius is. The smallest is, as I said, from Pliny it's about 70-something mils of wine, according to the standard that's been the standard for years. And this is the one I would generally say go by, is 86 mils. Rav Moshe Feinstein says about 130 mils. And the Chazanish, I think, is 150, 157 mils. Okay, Omar Ravashi, Omar Li Based on the, the shulchan, I'm not sure why this is brought here, but the shulchan of the Mishkan, the, the table in the Beis HaMikdash, 
must have, or the, of the Mishkan must have been detachable. If you would have thought it is fixed together, you're never going to be able to put it in the mikveh because an Amma doesn't fit in an Amma. The Shulchan was one Amma, but two Ammas. With the heart of... Yeah, with the heart of 1.5 Ammas. So now you've got to, if it becomes Tome, you've got to put it in the mikveh. The mikveh in the... So the mikveh in the temple courtyard, either it refers to the stream running through, which was an Amawad, called an Amma, or the mikvehs in the courtyard that they used to have were an Amma by an Amma. They would have them the smaller size so that they didn't... Uh, they'd have them the smaller size so it didn't take too much of the space up didn't take up too much space in the courtyard. So, but now if you have a, a amma ban amma, three ammas ha, you're not going to be able to fit a table that is an amma wide into it, so it must have been detachable so that you could fit it in. My kasha dilma be yamsha also shloma have a matbilo, tatani ribichi yamsha also shloma matzik meva chamisha mikva tohera. Says, no, maybe it was referring to, maybe they would mikva it in the yamsha shlomo, that was this huge basin that shlomo made, don't want to go into it now, which could hold 150 mikvos. Okay, now we go on to the next point. We said that an Oni is not allowed to have He's not allowed to have less than four cups of wine. Now, I'll read the Gomorrah and you'll see how strange it is and then we'll discuss it a little bit. So the first one, he says, How can the Ramans institute something that will cause danger? It will bring a person to be in a very dangerous situation. For our Tanya, we learned in a Brisa, A person shouldn't eat two things. He shouldn't drink two things, i.e. in pairs. He shouldn't, um, I don't know what that is, um, have dessert or go to the bathroom twice, and he shouldn't uh, have tashmish twice. So you're not allowed to do something in twos. It brings a person into danger. What's the danger of doing something in twos? So it's what's called zugois, and we can have a long discussion now, and it touches on demons and sorcery. If you do something in twos, it makes you susceptible to uh, witchcraft and demons and stuff like that, which is very dangerous, and therefore you're not allowed to do something in twos. Just a little bit regarding that. So just regarding doing something in twos, um, what's so bad about twos? Why are they so particular to not be to do things in twos? And why would it make you susceptible to demons and sorcery, witchcraft and sorcery? So, the one thing brought, this is brought in Rishonim, that it's actually because it's to get away from the concept of dual divinities, two divinities. We believe that there's one God. And there are enough things in this world that imply a split. You have many opposites, day and night, or light, let's rather say light and dark, fire and water. There are many things that do not seem to fit together. How could it be from one God? And therefore... We and so too eating in pairs is to train us to make us less, uh, um, to not make us susceptible to this concept of two gods. Now the next idea is man, so it could be total nonsense. But I think what it ha- it has to do with we find the obligation to not follow other gods and not get caught up in magic and sorcery and 
future telling, etc. It's You must be completely dedicated, follow, follow wholly, simply, straightforward, follow Hashem. And you mustn't get caught up in trying to work out the future to manipulate scenarios. And you mustn't get caught up in witchcraft and things like that. Um, and when you, a person who lacks a muna, he opens himself up to the possibility of duality of two gods or multiple gods. Then he's opening, this is, um, I think that's similar to when you start doing things in pairs. You have to have two cups of wine, I guess almost in a way you could say saying two kiddish. Um, having two foods, two servings, etc. All of that is represents opening yourself up to this idea of the possibilities of other powers be, be, um, besides Hashem, and that opens yourself up to the darkness and impurity of demons and sorcery. Um, and that's why that I, I think that could be a at least a metaphor for what it's talking about here, why pairs are so bad. Um, but also, again, the Gemara takes it as a pure sakona, which we know. Sukim been uh, quoted often over the last uh, year. Um, the importance of looking after yourself. You're not allowed to have dangerous things around. You're not allowed to do dangerous things. You have to look after yourself very well. So that would be the issue of doing dangerous things. Just regarding when the Gemara discusses demons and sorcery. There's a famous Machloikes Rishonim and it, I mean, it spreads into the Achronim. It's a big, a very interesting discussion. I'll just mention some of the headlines. The Rambam says that it's all nonsense. He says it in a few places. He says it's not real. It's just people making up things. I'll just read the Rambam from, uh, this is Hilchus Avoida Zora, Perek Yud Aleph, Pasuk Design, but he mentions it in Perush Hamishnais and Morinavuchim all over. He says here, All these things, witchcraft, sorcery, demons, he says it's all nonsense and falsehood. Oh, what's it for? And he says the non-Jews used it to manip to what's the word not manipulate to yeah to manipulate and uh, get control of other people. Either would say they're in control of the demons, or you have to listen to me, or you have to pay me a certain amount of money, and I'll protect you from the demons. They used it basically as a way to control. Other people says, and it's not appropriate for Jews who are wise to follow after this nonsense. And that it should enter his heart that there is any point in them, that there that there's any beneficial. Okay, and then he brings psukim. And I'm just going to skip down. Um, he says, he says, Oysa, um, he says, anyone who thinks, who believes these things, or anyone who thinks that they're true, the double chokhmo, that there's wisdom to them. He says, nonsense. But the Torah says, they also, he's a fool and short on wisdom. I, if you say the demons are nonsense, if you say that demons are true and witchcraft is true and the Torah comes along and says that it's also, that's why I don't involve. He says you're a fool, you're an idiot. He 
says, Avalbale Chochma Vitriya Adas, people of wisdom and pure intellect, Yodu Barayos Bruros know with clear proofs, Shekol Elo Advarim Shosra Torah, all these things that the Torah forbids, Ainam Divrei Chochma, they're not wisdom. Ela Tova Hevel, they're nonsense. Shenim Shechu Bohem Chasuri Adas, that those who are short on wisdom follow after them. Etc. So that's the Rambam's approach. That all this stuff is nonsense. Only an idiot would get caught up in them. A Jew, a thinking Jew who thinks in Torah has, I guess, godly wisdom would never ever be remotely called caught up in them. That's the Rambam. On the other hand, the Ramban, and this seems to be most Rishonim, hold it real. And they explain along the lines, we don't have time to go into it, there are some amazing books written on it, if you want to research it more, I can give you some of One of them is the Tomim Tiem Hashem Elokecho Bar of Yaakov Hillel, that's, uh, that's a, well not contemporary, but it, he's, he is a contemporary, he's, I think he might still be alive, or he was Nifta recently, a Kabbalist in Israel, he's got a whole book on this, but it's uh, written for, for, for everyone, so it's a wonderful book about this discussion, and believing it, and following it, and when you are allowed to when you aren't allowed to get caught up in these uh, these things but basically he explains that we know that this whole Hashem govern, in a way Hashem governs this world by putting forces in motion I angels that supervise certain things the constellation that manage certain things the suns all these different forces Hashem put in the world to direct and guide the world um, and These, and someone, a pure righteous tzaddik, can use Hashem's name to almost take control of these forces and do what, we, what would appear to be miracles. I manipulate these sources that are set to govern the world. You can use Hashem's name to take advantage of them. They bring the morals of Amorayim who used to, I think it might be Nishami, Amorayim who used to create a lamb on Erev Shabbos for their Shabbos order, etc. So using Hashem's names, you can manipulate these sources but on the flip side for there to be free will there always has to be the option for good and evil so there's also this concept of what would be called impure sources and that would be sorcery and witchcraft and demons would be manipulating in a dis and it's destructive to the purpose of the world etc but would be just taking advantage manipulating these impure sources so that would be the two sides to uh, to this issue, um, those the Rambam who holds it's total nonsense and it's not true, and the Ramban who holds it is true. The Vilna Gaon, it's an amazing thing the Vilna Gaon says here regarding this point of the Rambam. It's Simon Kuf Ayin Tes Vilna Gaon. I think it's Yud Gimel. Let me just find it. Yeah, Yud Gimel. He says Rambam. So so the Shulchan Aruch says um, if someone's being uh, Sorry, where was it? Oh, he says someone who was bitten by a scorpion, you can do uh, spells on him even on Shabbos. And he says even though it doesn't help at all, since the person's in danger, you're allowed to do these things to calm him down. Now, the Vilna Gaon says, oh, what's his source? Harambam. The chain cause of the parish Hamishnayis, etc. It's the Rambam who says that all the stuff that doing with spells and stuff is nonsense. He says, Aval kol aboim achrov chelkol of anyone subs. Since the Rambam, everyone argues on him. Sharei harbei lachashim nemru b'gemara. We find many incantations mentioned in the Gemara. Well, who? What's the Rambam's problem? For who nimshach achar afilusofia? 
he was drawn after philosophy. Um, witchcraft, using Hashem's name, spells, v'shedim, demons, kameas, amulets, hakol hu sheker. That's all nonsense. That's, that's what the Ramamals, Aval Kfar, Hiku Oisa, Al Kadkoda, he's already been hit in his head. Sharei Motsino, Harbe, Maesios, Begamora, Al Kishemus, Ukshofim. We find many, many stories in the Gemara with names of Hashem and witchcraft, and he brings a few examples, not going to go through them now. And for Harbe Kayotz, he says there's a whole long, he goes through a whole long list of uh, Gemoras that we see witchcraft, demons, sorcery, using of Hashem name, amulets, etc. Um. Says, and it's philosophy that led him astray to use it to explain the Gemara's. He's uprooting them from their simple reading. Don't believe this, don't get caught up in it. These Gemara's are as they say, they straightforward. And obviously they have a, de- a depth, a secret to them. So he says, firstly, when you're reading these stories about demons and true, the Vulnagon says, they are true. Not the essence, the inner message of philosophy, which is actually a superficiality. Rather Kabbalistic, the Balea Emes, the Kabbalist. So he says that there is... These things are, the Vilna Gaon says it's very, definitely true. The Rambam made a huge mistake and he's caught on the caught up in philosophy. I mean, interestingly enough, the Rambam's very big on Agarata teaching us deep, important life lessons. The Vilna Gaon says he missed the point. They do teach us deep, important Kabbalistic lessons, but don't ignore what they say on the surface. Um, I think we're going to have to leave it there. We'll have to go into the answer to our question. How can Chazal institute four cups of wine, which is an even number, Zugos, when as we see it will bring you to the danger of demons. And we'll leave it there for today.